You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to In the Open. This is Teresa. I'm here by myself today, and we are going to explore the topic, Am I Autistic? with my guest, Kristen. Kristen, say hi, or you want to share a little bit about you? Sure. Hi, everybody. Um, I am Kristen Abel, and um, I'm a member of the MHA staff for about a little over a year. And yeah, I live in Utah, but really loving it here. And I've lived here a little over a year as well. So why don't we dive right in? I just, I really appreciate that you told me a little bit about your journey Basically, that you started to wonder whether you had autism spectrum disorder? Yeah. So about a year ago, I was listening to a podcast and um, the guest was um, talking about how they prepared for the podcast and um, all the and I was listening along and I'm going, yes, of course I would do that. Yes, of course I would do that. And then the hosts were like, wow, that's really strange and different. Like I've never thought about doing it that way. And I was like, wait, what? Like, that's how I would always do it. And so the guests mentioned that they were autistic. And that was something that how the autistic mind worked. And so I thought, wait a second, maybe I need to explore this a little bit more. And so um, yeah, since then, I've been doing a lot, a lot of reading. That's kind of one of the things that resonates with my autism is that like, I like to really research a topic. Um, And so yeah, I've been doing a lot of that and um, trying to get in for testing. So that's kind of where I'm at. But I'm, I would say I'm like 99% sure I'm autistic. You have to unpack that for me. Like, (laughs) because my anxiety brain is like, well, I would plan. But how does an anxious brain plan differently than maybe an autistic brain? So yeah, um, typically for me, what what I need is I need some sort of thing to measure it against. So I'm going to go listen to previous podcasts and see what the flow is like. I'm going to maybe sketch out a few things that I need to want to make sure that I hit on or kind of do like a little bit of meditation right before, you know, to just kind of calm myself down. So um, that's a lot of it. Like I one of the the key things that I always try to explain to people is that if you tell me like, hey, we're going to have a party and you're invited, I am going to picture the most recent party I went to. And that is exactly what I am picturing for your party. And that is how I'm going to plan what to wear, how to act at that party, because I otherwise I don't know how to act. So I have to think about what was my most recent experience with this that I can kind of map onto this new experience. Got it. I think that's a really useful context. So when you first started trying to make sense about whether or not you are autistic, did you go to the internet? Of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Where else as, do you go? As we all do. <laughs> What did you look up? Like, how did you start this journey to try to figure out? Because I don't, I think it's silly that we are like, if you think you have a problem, go see a professional first, which is the dumbest thing because most people don't do that. Or like, we go to internet websites. Well, yeah. And it's incredibly hard as an adult discovering that you're autistic to even get access to um, a professional. So yes, I went to the internet and I started 
Googling, am I autistic? You know, that seems like a pretty basic place to start. And like, there's lots of quizzes and things like that you can take. And some of them are reliable and some of them aren't. The first one I took was like, you are definitely autistic. And I was like, whoa, whoa, like (laughs) calm down on the language there, folks. Like, let me just think about this and process it. And it, you know, it wasn't like I was upset. I just was like, it, it kind of felt a little bit overwhelming at that moment. And I took a couple other ones and always landed like squarely in the um, autism spectrum diagnosis for, for those. But I also, I love to read and I love to research like a specific topic. I'll go like very like deep down into the weeds on a specific topic. And yeah. that is all I will read for months. And so I read a ton of books about autism. Well, tell me about that experience. I mean, if I think back to my diagnoses and having clarity about it, I do find some comfort in the label. And I I know that's not the case for everyone. Yeah. But like, did it feel good to to see that and to have some clarity? (laughs) Or was it like, what's salient for you when you think about that time of your life? Was it relief or distress? It was not distress. It was kind of like a light bulb clicking on for me. Like, oh, this explains so much. Yeah. You know, like growing up, I always felt a little bit different than everybody else, but I couldn't put my finger on exactly what it was that was different. And I remember like right after I heard that podcast, I was going to visit with my best friend of many, many years from college. And I said something to her about it. And she was like, this fits you. Yes, this makes sense. Like it was just very affirming. And there's not once where I felt distressed by it. It's really been much more of a, oh, now I understand why my brain does this or why, you know, things work this way for me. And so it's, it's honestly, yeah, I mean, relief is kind of that way. Although I wasn't necessarily, there wasn't a distress that I needed to be relieved from. It's more like just, I better understand myself now. Yeah. So when you think about the test and you think about what you shared to your friend, like what are those aspects that stood out to you the most where you're like, wow, this really clicked? Yeah, sure. So I talked about like my um, special interests that I like get like hyper fixated on. That's a very common um, autistic characteristic. Autism was one of them, but like um, I just moved out to Utah around that same time and I spent I don't know, several months just like learning everything I could about the Church of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, because there's a lot of them out here. I mean, that's not everything out here, but my particular neighborhood, we have a lot of them. So I spent like a really extended period of time focusing on that and researching on that. And now I can like, I could probably lecture on the start of the Mormon church (laughs) because that's the sort of like level to which I go when I get excited about a topic or interested in a topic. I think the other piece for me was around social anxiety and like not knowing exactly how to act in social situations. And so I have made a practice of um, learning to mimic what other people are doing, but it does not come naturally to me. I don't naturally think to smile or to make eye contact even. And I think that I really started that started to resonate with me that like all this stuff that I am doing is stuff I've learned how to do um, and have been doing that is not it doesn't feel comfortable I'm still like as I'm talking to you I'm thinking about how does my voice sound am I is this the right inflection Um, am I 
you know, getting too excited? Am I smiling too much? Am I making too much eye contact? Am I not making enough eye contact? Like there's a whole second conversation happening in my head when I, whenever I'm having a conversation with somebody else or whenever I'm in a social um, situation. Was there anything else or was it primarily those two main things? Oh, well, I mean, there's, there's other, other people like little, like, yeah. Um, it's very common for um, people with autism to get like fixated on words or wordplay or things like that. I'm a very, like, I like to write, like, that's something I've always been interested in words and wordplay. Um, I do a lot of counting of things. Like, that's just how I kind of like settle myself in a situation. I'll start counting. Um, there's a little bit of, um, a behavior that I picked up, especially, you know, I've always had to do something with my hands. Like I'm, I get kind of the fidgets at, as I'm talking to you, I'm like wiggling my hands around a lot, but, uh, so a lot of times I would do like cross stitch while I'm watching TV or while I'm having a conversation with somebody, like just to keep my hands busy or like some sort of like word puzzle or coloring or something like that. After I had my son, I found that rocking was very, like when I was rocking him, like even when I wasn't holding him, I found myself starting to rock because that was a very soothing, I had discovered that that was a very soothing motion after, you know, I had a baby and had a, a reason to to rock. Like then I, like occasionally my husband will still catch me and he'll be like, what are you rock? Are, are you holding an imaginary baby? What's going on? <laughs> so yeah, like there's all these like other like little things that just kind of like add up to that. And then, um, one other thing that is is can be is a type of autistic trait. Um, not everybody has this, but like I'm a very visual thinker. So if you um, tell me something I'm picturing in my head and I work on our um, uh, organization's website, as you know. And so like a lot of times when you're telling me, hey, I want to build this page, I'm already picturing the entire page in my head. I don't always know how to explain that to people, but like I can see it like actually see it. Like some people are like, oh yeah, you kind of picture the general, no, I'm like, I actually picture the entire page in my head. Like I can see exactly what it's going to look like. And I think that's why working on websites has been such a, a good like fit for me. I recently learned about your mind's eye. I have none. I think it's called, is it aphasia? Yes, my friend that I was talking to has it. And I like I she had learned that just at the same time. So we've been discussing this a lot. It's not aphasia. Aphasia is the ability to express speech. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not that. I can't I can't think of what it's called, but she has the same the same thing where it's you can't like somebody says something. So like if you say beach, I picture yeah. a very specific beach that I've been to. It is fully fleshed out in yeah. my head. It's the average person. Yeah, the average person <laughs> pictures just like a generic beach, like be sand, water, sun, and then people with that, like like you, like can't picture Nothing. a beach at all. It's You're not black. picturing anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, I really appreciate you kind of breaking it down because on our screening site, we don't have a screening tool for autism, but maybe it's something we should consider. You know, because I'm sure a lot of people are wondering. And, and you had to go through intense process. Like it's like it's multiple appointments and lots of conversations. And they usually try to be in person because so much like especially like the eye contact. You can't tell if I'm making eye contact with you really, can you over a video chat? So like that's stuff that they need to measure in person. And I, I just also have a sense that misdiagnosis is pretty common across all mental health conditions. But 
for autism, it feels especially so because we kind of historically have held this benchmark for what someone's supposed to look like before we provide them assistance, which meant a ton of people went undiagnosed or unsupported. But I I would love to explore that with you. Like, what's your sense of why this never came up for you until you're an adult, a middle-aged adult? Yeah, I'm in my 40s. You can say it. Um, (laughs) Well, and I actually know a lot of the history about it now because, again, I did my deep, deep research dive. But like a big portion of the reason it was never captured was because I'm a girl, Mm. right? And um, there was a very common belief that autism was a boy's personality for for a long, long time, right? Like that only boys experienced it. And part of that was because so much of autism is around the social interactions. And girls, girls are trained how to interact in a social situation, right? We That is an expectation. And so girls learn how to mask at a much younger age than boys do typically. And so this is this is if we're just talking about a gender binary, of course. And like there's a lot of research that now that is pointing out that a lot of autistic people are non-binary or, you know, are a little bit more fluid on on the gender spectrum. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that traditional social norms don't really make sense to us. So that's pretty common for for that to be the case. So um there's some really great books out there um, by people who are transgender and autistic. And like, as complicated as it was for me, gosh, it's even more complicated for them on getting a diagnosis. But yeah, it was it was not it was not as commonly diagnosed when I was a kid. It definitely wasn't diagnosed for girls. And then there was a very small spectrum of characteristics and behaviors that was labeled autism at that time. And that has expanded as we've gotten a greater understanding of what it means and what it is. And the fact that like, I'm a functioning very, you know, I, people would say I'm a successful member of society, right? I'm married, I have a kid, I have a job that doesn't fit into a lot of people's stereotype of autistic, which I mean, a lot of people will go straight to like Rain Man, you know, like, especially in my age group, maybe not younger ages so much. But like, you know, when I told my parents, they were both like, that doesn't make sense. Like you don't like, yes, you're smart, but you, it's not the same. Like you have social skills. And I'm like, but a lot of those are like very much, I have to work hard at those social skills in a way that your average person does not, your neurotypical person, I should say, your neurotypical person doesn't have to work as hard at those. I really appreciate that you talked about mimicking as a cope, like a skill that you had to learn. It, it was something that when I was a clinician, when I worked with kids, teenagers, I saw situations where they were prejudged, like because they were good looking, behaved a certain way, carried themselves a certain way. I'm like, I think this person has autism, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And somebody would be like, no, well, look at that person. I'm like, yeah, what do you mean? Look at that person. You can't just look at a person. I hate that about this community, you know, that there's really that idea. But what I found as a clinician, and I'm not trained by any means as a specialist in autism, but whenever my my kids, my youth would say, I don't know, I just literally repeat or do exactly what 
this person does. And then I follow them around. And it's like, oh, I have this one friend. Because, you know, inevitably you're like, oh, do you have a friend? They're like, yeah, I have a friend. And I, I do exactly what she does. <laughs> you know, I I say what she says. I do. I try to pay attention to what she says and do. I'm like, this is this is different. Like that's that for yeah. me is kind of what the first signs. Um, and I love that you brought that up because I do think that that is a skill that people pick up on. Do you think that's true? Like, yeah, I, I mean, it not it varies by person, obviously, like. There's a saying in the um, autistic community that if you meet one autistic person, you've met one autistic person because the characteristics vary so much person to person. So for me, uh, particularly, I've learned with lots and lots of practice how to read people. And now that is that like I often can read people better than my husband the reason I'm looking so hard is because I need, I'm trying to figure out how to act in that situation. Yeah. Right. So it's not because I'm looking just because I'm interested in the person. Right. I literally am trying to figure out what is the reaction I'm supposed to have. Okay. They smiled. I can smile now. Right. So yes, a lot of it's mimicking. This is something I realized more recently, which is like when I'm meeting with people over zoom and they turn their cameras off, it is extraordinarily difficult for me to have a conversation with them because I don't know how I'm supposed to be reacting or acting in that moment. And I like totally understand why people want their cameras off. Sometimes my face tends to show exactly what I'm thinking instead of what I should be showing in that moment, which is, you know, interest or sympathy or whatever, you know, like it's one of those things where I'm definitely looking to those around me to like lead the the direction that, you know, I'm supposed to go with whatever reaction. And I, I have enough of the like data stored up at this point in my head that I sometimes can kind of do that a little bit better, but like there's always work involved in that. I'm always having to think through, okay, they said this and then they said this, and that reminds me of this situation. So then I, this is the reaction that I should have now. Is that what your brain is doing then when yes. you don't have contextual cues to guide you? You're going yeah. back like the party to a past situation mm-hmm. or something like that. That's interesting because I'm like, is that what my brain does? But I'm just unconscious of it and you have to work <laughs> yeah, to draw that out. I mean, I think it explains why I'm so freaking tired sometimes, <laughs> you yeah. know, like it's a whole other like processing aspect that a lot for a lot of people, it comes naturally, you know, when to smile, you know, when not to smile. And like, I that's not that's not something that comes naturally to me at all. So like where autism is the inner voice that tells you all these contextual cues about how you're supposed to say your thought processes about how to act or behave in that moment, whereas my anxiety brain or and depressed brain is like, you're dumb. Right. Or you're meaningless. This is stupid. You know, whatever. That's interesting. I mean, there's maybe there's something to say about the way that our brains, you know, I don't know, that second voice that in our heads. Well, and a lot of people who are autistic also have anxiety or social anxiety. Because if you think about all the work you're going to have to do when you get into a social situation, like how stressful is that thinking about that ahead of time? And like your brain thinking about all the dumb things you've done because you didn't know how to act in a social situation. So like all of that is going through my head and it's hard to get out the door sometimes for social situations. Cause I'm just like, 
it would be so much easier to not really (laughs) like it would just be so much easier to not what do you what advice do you have for somebody who might be asking this question yeah um so a couple things that i've learned one i i do think it's helpful to read or to learn about i mean not everybody's a reader and I get that, but like to find other stories of people who are autistic because that has made me feel less alone and to get a better understanding of how other people have dealt with being autistic and or experience being autistic is a better way to say that. And so I think that like seeing other people and getting a feel for like the breadth of the, you know, of an autism spectrum um, disorder is is definitely there in those stories. The other thing that I can recommend, and this has been harder for me to do, but I think it's really important is to find a therapist who, if you, if you are wanting to work with a therapist, find one who works with people with autism spectrum disorder, because they, they bring a different understanding. There's nothing more frustrating to me than when I'm explaining to a therapist, this is how my brain works. And they're like, Oh yeah, that totally. Like when I go to the grocery store, I have that same thing. And I'm like, I don't mean just once I had that thing. This is like an everyday thing. Often there there's things I experience as somebody who is autistic that other people experience, but it's a different degree. And I think having a therapist who understands that is just so much more validating for the person who is going to them. It can be really frustrating to go to somebody who does not get that at all. Yeah. In, in kind of thinking back to our conversation we had today, is there something that sticks in your mind as just as, as you reflect back, like that, that was really important? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, like the key was like when I recognized that this was like a likelihood, the way everything kind of clicked into place because that made it comfortable for me to continue seeking help, seeking support. I'm still trying to get a diet, like an official to go through the testing process, which is kind of a hefty process. And especially for adults, it can be very difficult to get in. A lot of um, autism services are geared towards kids, but I do have an appointment in September. I'm very excited about that. And really the testing is more for me um, and for validation than anything. It's not, I believe I am autistic. It's pretty common to self-diagnose in the autism community because it is so hard to get a diagnosis, but it, it would be helpful in talking to my family who are sometimes quick to dismiss, yeah. <laughs> you know, those sorts of things. So um, I think the the key thing is that no single person's journey is going to look exactly the same. Do the, seek out the things, seek out the resources, find the things that work for you. For me, like I said, it was lots of reading and research that felt really good to me that may feel good to you. It may not. There's podcasts on autism that you can listen to that are a little bit less intense. You know, go go listen to those. Go do the tests online if you feel like you want to do the tests online um, or, or find other inventories or talk to a professional if that's what you want to do. But that's certainly not needed. And there are some really great communities and resources out there by autistic people for autistic people. And I think those are the ones to look for. Well, thank you, Kristen. We always end with just telling people to keep on fighting in the open. And we're so grateful to have everyone here today. We'll see you next time. 